Hello, this is Daniel Williams, Senior Editor at MGMA and host of the MGMA Podcast Network. We have a special episode today. We are going to be joined today by frequent MGMA collaborators, Kim Tolliver and Taya Gordon. You know them from many MGMA events, the MGMA Revenue Cycle Management book, and as independent consultants on the Rev Cycle. We also have an announcement that they will be joining the MGMA podcast network. Their show, Rev Dive, will be appearing through this channel. And we're going to go to a conversation first with Kim and Taya. And after that, we'll give you a sampling of Rev Dive. But first, let's hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by the Medical Practice Excellence Financial and Operations Conference. During our premier spring event, attendees will gain insights from both disciplines and learn about topics that shape the future success of medical practice organizations. Go to mgma.com slash MPE23 to learn more and to register today. The latest value-based care report from Humana outlines many interesting findings and highlights how some physician practices found creative paths to success. Check it out now at humana.com slash VBC. Well, Kim and Taya, welcome to the MGMA podcast yet again. Thank you. We're excited to be here. Absolutely. Great to have y'all. I need to add up. I think y'all are the most uh, featured guest in uh, MGMA podcast history, but I will check just to be sure. I will be sure. That's amazing. I know. That's a title. (laughs) It is. It is. And I don't know if y'all are like me, if you're ready to get out of cold weather, but I am ready to get out of cold weather. We had a wind chill of negative 14 earlier today in Denver, and um, I'm so ready to get to Orlando. And it just so happens I will get to see y'all speak at our financial and operations conference. It's going to be in Orlando March 19th through the 21st. Um, for our listeners who may be attending or are on the fence for attending, what can they learn from y'all's uh, various talks that you're going to have there at our show? Well, to go I'll, first? I'll, I'll tell you, this is Kim. I, I think, first of all, I cannot wait to get to Orlando. I am so excited. The financial and operations conference, I think, has always been a great opportunity for Taya and I to kind of connect with our people, the financial folks um, who, you know, are, are MGMA members and and others who are excited to learn about ways to, you know, keep their their organizations as profitable as possible, doing it the right way. Um, we're really excited to to talk about assessing skills and um, identifying gaps in your skills. You know, Taya and I, on our podcast, we had an introspective discussion amongst ourselves about developing a safe space for leaders to kind of be vulnerable 
And I think what happens a lot is since we're the go-to people in our organizations, we have to know everything, right? But we can't possibly know, <laughs> we can't possibly know everything. Um, so what we're hoping to do is we're inviting participants of the Financial and Operations Conference to come to our session and talk about ways that we can identify gaps in our skills, in our own leadership skills, and to identify solutions on how to fill them. I think that's kind of like what we're really looking forward to is, is having that introspective time to really just kind of sit down and kind of plot out how to address those those um, those gaps with, with actionable solutions. Okay, perfect. Taya, anything you want to add to that? Or do you think Kim pretty much answered it? <laughs> you know, I think um, that for the most part answers it. And I think that um, what a lot of people find out, I seem to realize on day like one or two of every conference is that Kim and I do a pre-con. And that pre-con is three hours with us. And it's it's usually much um, a much smaller group of people, much more focused sort of interaction and engagement with us. And it's so much fun. So, you know, I'm going to take this opportunity to let people know before they've missed it, that we do have that pre-conference session on Sunday. That's great. All right. Now, y'all kind of let in, Kim, you were already talking about this, bringing some leadership elements to your discussions. Now, I think most of our listeners know who y'all are, but just in case they don't, y'all are the preeminent experts in revenue cycle management, um, very close partners with MGMA and in various platforms and media. Um, and so the reason I bring that part of it up is that um, the first Wednesday of each month, the MGMA podcast looks at leadership in healthcare because y'all are known for your rev cycle expertise, I really wanted to drill down. I've had you on the show a lot of times. We've talked about the revenue cycle, but I wanted to talk about it for a moment from the perspective of leadership. And what does leadership in the rev cycle look like? Um, Kim, why don't you yeah. answer this one first? Give us an idea here. You know, it's it's interesting that you you ask this question because I, I think what we're seeing around the country um, are are leaders who are are looking for ways to to set boundaries and protect their staff from errors, but I don't know that they see it that way. So you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. Taya and I are kind of tag teaming on a project right now, and. Um, all staff have access to perform a specific RCM activity, which downstream um, can create a ton of errors on the, the denial side. I, I think from a leadership perspective, we're thinking, I think leadership looks at it and says, oh, well, all staff need access to perform this function without realizing having that boundary can actually protect their staff from making errors that they don't realize they're making. So I, I think, you know, making sure that as leaders, we're thinking about the boundaries, regardless of whether you're a revenue cycle leader, uh, clinical leader, just thinking about the boundaries that you uh, kind of see need to be put in place to protect your staff from unexpected denials 
errors, which become frustrating, frustrating to staff um, that result in patients getting unnecessary bills, claims going to the wrong locations. Um, I, I think just kind of thinking about ways to set those boundaries. Okay. Taya, what else do you want to add about leadership in the rep cycle? Yeah, I think to to Kim's point, you know, I spoke with someone earlier today who said something I think resonates with all of us in leadership. And what she said was, you know, when I got started in healthcare, I saw a bunch of challenges in the industry and I was a go-getter and I thought I am going to fix what is wrong in this industry and what is happening in this facility. And she said, you know, here we are a decade later and I'm just jaded and I'm looking to hire people that have that kind of gumption. And I think that's so prevalent in the industry, just the burnout. And the only way through that, I think one, you know, refilling your own cup, you have to take that time away Um, Two, leaning on each other as much as you possibly can and networking with one another and learning better ways to do things and how technology can support you, which is another reason I think that we're so big on going to conferences, especially the one that's coming up, because it sort of does all three of those things for you. Okay. Now, I wanted to share some really exciting news with our listeners. Um, Moving forward, the MGMA podcast We'll be partnering with Tay and Kim on your already existing podcast. It's called Rev Dive. Um, we're super excited from our side of this to have this partnership with y'all. Um, our listeners can listen to Rev Dive on this channel every other Tuesday uh, coming up. We hope so. <laughs> so we're really excited about that. But for our listeners who may not have had an opportunity to hear RevDive yet, what can y'all tell us about it? What is RevDive? Sure. Well, let me first off just for for on behalf of Taya and I, we are so excited um, about this collaboration with MGMA. Um, Taya and I have cut our leadership teeth in MGMA many, many years ago. And um, being able to share RevDive with MGMA members is um, such a huge um, honor for us. Uh, we kind of endearingly consider our listeners RevDivers, um, <laughs> and, and they're kind of diving into their revenue cycles. Uh, and, and really, I think our goal is to kind of connect with individuals who are pretty much on any level responsible for aspects of the revenue cycle. And, you know, the, the revenue cycle overlaps in so many different areas. Um, so what we try to do is share our wins and our misses in revenue cycle management. But what we also do is, you know, we're, we want to have thought leadership from informed guests, like people like Scott Becker and, um, Ray Jimenez of AAPC, really just kind of giving varying perspectives um, in the revenue cycle and in revenue integrity throughout um, different areas of revenue cycle management. That's great. Taya, what else can you share about RevDive? Yeah, RevDive is so much fun to me because um, Kim and I really, you know, we we have somewhat boisterous personalities for those who have come to any of our conferences or heard us speak before. And no. I really love, <laughs> I really 
really love Rev Dive because we get to so truly be ourselves on the show. Um, but even more so because sometimes we just get questions from Rev Divers and they say, you know, do you know how to tackle this very specific problem I'm having? And because we've been in the industry for a while and we have such great opportunities to speak with people like you, Daniel, and um, people at AHA and just kind of all over the industry, we're able to get answers from really, you know, validated, experienced folks. And that for me is really exciting to be able to give back to the industry and answer those direct questions from leaders that we trust um, that can really help with those day-to-day efforts and do it in sort of a really fun, casual way. Uh, you know, if you you pop on and you're watching the videos as opposed to the podcast, you'll actually see Kem and I, and, you know, most of the time, I think I have a hoodie on. So it's a very, it's a much more casual, you know, kind of different perspective of us than you see at the conferences. And I just love that about it. Um, we're talking about some major um, influential topics, but we also are all human beings, like mm-hmm. underneath the suit and the tie, Yes. You're Daniel, right? You're you're I, I, I forgot your kids' names, but you know, you're you're a dad and a, you know, you you shovel snow and you know you're a regular person. And yes. that's the side of I think humanity that Taya and I try to show on our on our uh, rev dive. So we're so glad uh, to be able to share that with MGMA members. That is you awesome. Know. Ken, that's spot on. It's spot on because I think we totally forget sometimes, especially as leaders and parents and husbands and wives and sisters and daughters and sons. And, you know, many of us go home and we're caregivers, whether it's to the elderly or to our tiny humans. And we forget that it's okay to just be us and it's okay to just be human and it's okay to be exhausted and not be TikTok ready 100% of the time. And, you know, so we want to make sure that we're, we're living what we talk about you know, and, and that's Rev Dive for us. Okay. That is awesome. So Taya, does that mean you will be uh, singing karaoke in Orlando coming up? I mean, it would be weird if I wasn't there singing karaoke with you guys, I think at this point, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, Kim and I, we turn in early. I, I will be having a chamomile tea and an oatmeal cookie at about nine and be asleep by nine fifteen. So you'll have you to know, send a video. <laughs> watching uh, watching everybody sing karaoke is one of my favorite things about the MGMA conferences. I'll definitely be there. It is good. It's become a staple. Someday I will attend it, but y'all need to like lower the uh, admission time, uh, like to like 5 p.m. <laughs> when I'm getting my Bluebird special dinner. So, uh, you know, I turn in early. So. <laughs> someday, oh, someday. So we do have a special treat for our MGMA listeners. Um, we are going to have an episode of Rev Dive um, at the end of this episode. So Kim and Taya, I want to thank you so much for joining us. And then for people listening, they will hear even more of you after this. Welcome back, Rev Divers. We are always excited to chat with you, but today we have somebody new for you. Today we are talking to Ray Jimenez. Ray is the chief product officer at AAPC. I'm not even going to explain to you what AAPC is because you should already know. And if you don't, I'm sure Ray's going to talk about it a little bit today. Ray, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, we are super excited to have you on. 
Oh my gosh. Let me just say, Ray, as a fellow AAPC member, it is an absolute pleasure to have you here. I would love for you to just kind of share a little bit about yourself with our audience. Yes, yeah, please. absolutely. Um, so I've been with AAPC as an employee for 15 years now, and prior to that was an AAPC member, local chapter officer, uh, have a career in coding, auditing, provider education, as well as educating uh, coders and billers from an academic standpoint. So I've had the ability to do a lot of things in the industry that helps me help support our members in their career growth in the massive opportunity that they have in the revenue cycle. That's, a, I mean, that's a lot in one sentence. You have done so much. I well, think I've been doing this for 30 years now, so hopefully I've had a little bit of a variety, so. Well, I was going to say, you've been at AAPC, you said, for 15 years. That is the yes. home of a good organization. People don't well, stay somewhere for 15 years if they hate it. Well, I have to say, prior to coming to AAPC, my, my normal career jump would be about five years where you would feel like you were at your max, you achieved what you could, it was no longer challenging. I can say being with AAPC, because we're in an evolving industry, there's always new challenges, always new and exciting things to do. So I've never had to feel like I've, I'm tapped out on challenges. There's always new exciting things to do, so. I tell you what, Healthcare never is boring. No, <laughs> it will not be boring. <laughs> no. So, so speaking of of you know changes, um, we have some coding changes that are coming up in 2023, and we are you know thinking about what we need to do to prepare for those coding changes. And since you are you know at the forefront being involved in these changes. I know that you're on the CPT editorial panel. Can you kind of let us know, you know, a few major updates that we need to be on the lookout for? Yeah, so as part of my role here at AAPC, I get to represent um, AAPC as a coding liaison to the CPT editorial panel. Um, the changes that have been released that we can talk about so far are the monumental ones for E&M. That's probably the most significant change that's going to affect most professional fee coders. And, you know, there's always that complexity of CPT coding guidelines and then a payer variation associated with those guidelines. So we've had two very big industry updates released very close in sync with each other. And that are that is the CPT ENM guidelines going into effect 2023, as well as the CMS proposed rule and some of the variations that they have associated with those guidelines. Now, both are posted and can be reviewed. So everything that I'm going to make a quick mention about here today can be reviewed in those documents. But one of the biggest changes for us is saying goodbye to 95 and 97 documentation guidelines and having one standard to use going forward, which I think is pretty monumental for our industry. I agree. I think that's huge. Those have been around. Well, I don't have to tell you since when because it's right there in the name, but yeah, yeah, that's huge. exactly. 
So having one set, you know, 2021 when they were released, the plan was always to go back through and level set and apply that principle across all EM categories. So that's what's going to be going into effect in 2023. One of the questions that we get, well, you know, when CPT releases a coding guideline, what does that do to some of the regulations that CMS has in place? And I think that's a misconception in our industry. CPT has their rules. Payers are going to have their own variation or interpretation that's published. So one doesn't override the other. We still have to know what's going on from both both perspectives. One of the biggest questions we've been getting at um, AAPC is in one of the guidelines for ENM services allowing more than one ENM on the date of an emission. You know, for someone starting in the office visit, seeing the physician there, and then being admitted in that physician doing the admission, according to CPT guidelines, both it can be billed with modifier 25. CMS in the proposed rule says one ENM per data service, which isn't an uncommon policy between payers. So we always like to educate our members that you're looking at all of your guidance, not just one and applying it across the board. And you know, that becomes a challenge because as coders, we want to make sure that our documentation is accurate and appropriate, right? And it meets those documentation guidelines but we also want to make sure that our providers get paid for the service. So right. it's really important for us to understand those guidelines for documentation and the guidelines for reimbursement, whether they overlap or whether they conflict. Right. And that is such an important uh, point to make, because the last thing that you want to do is have physicians documenting to an insurance policy or your coders coding to an insurance policy. If you could handle that on the back end through claim edits and efficiencies in that aspect, you know, when it comes to codes, we are reporting what was done. If there's a variation on how a payer wants to see it, we still, for our own internal tracking purposes, want to capture that information correctly and handle those nuances in a different way. I don't, I don't know if you guys see that in what you do. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that it speaks to so many components in the whole revenue cycle management circle even, because you know when Kem and I are talking about it, a, a whole section is dedicated to reviewing the data that we have in our own systems, right? Looking at our KPIs, looking at our productivity and performance, and coding is a significant portion of that because if we're coding to insurance payers, we're not really giving ourselves accurate information to plan off of, right? Yeah. And two, utilizing your resources. This is another question that we get a lot is, you know, there's always uh, anxiety from the coding uh, from our coders that, well, if we go to a, a single payer system or if we go to technology, what's that going to do for our profession? And even if we went to one payer system, you still need the data behind the codes to understand resource allocation. So this is going to be important no matter what payment methodology that we're in. I think that that it's such a great point for our listeners, and I'm I'm hoping that um, we have the folks that are not coders also paying attention, right? Individuals like me who need to hear that stuff. Um, our listeners are well versed in the fact that I bow down to Kim because she's a coder and I am not. 
Um, but it's so critical to have both sides of that fence kind of working together. What other areas do you see where coding is really playing a role in revenue cycle management? I mean, outside of just the reporting facet. Well, reporting facet and efficiencies, being able to track, you know, we keep talking about quality of care, but honestly, we can only get to measure it by the codes that we are reporting from a disease perspective. So, I mean, I see coding as the core of how it all begins. Well, honestly, it's the physician documentation is where it all begins, but that's uh, coders have a hand in that. That's why you've seen the coding profession really evolve into other other professions like CDI. If we didn't have the importance of data, I, I look at data as garbage in, garbage out. You can't really utilize it if you don't have accurate information. And that's where it's really expanded the job opportunities for people who might have gotten their start in coding. Um, you've seen the evolution of even AAPC over the years to go through and support other roles like auditors, compliance, practice managers, because coding might be the starting point for some, but they can evolve into so many other opportunities in their career. Having that core understanding of coding helps you from a data analytics perspective or being smart enough to realize what you can get from the data. Gosh, listen, you hit the nail on the head because that's that was my career trajectory. I mean, I, I've shared this before, um, but becoming a certified coder when I was a practice administrator, it wasn't so that I could, you know, review documentation and 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 do audits, but it was so that I could better understand the opportunities and the vulnerabilities that were within my organization. So it, it's really great to see AAPC provide those additional resources to the industry. Um, you know, thinking about that, I know that you have had a very um, wide career and I'd love, to, we'd love to hear from you um, about any lessons that you've learned throughout your career that you could share with others who are maybe just starting their careers, they're looking maybe at a crossroads. Um, what what are your what are some takeaways from your career that you could share with our audience? I guess it would be there's no small jobs. You know, this is something that we hear from individuals that are trying to enter this market with how do I get started? How do I get my foot in the door? And if I were to tell you that my first job in healthcare was a chart finder, where all I did was go find the chart so the nurse could make a call, doing minimum wage, and then you look at what I've been able to attain now, it was because I was willing to take that small job. And I was willing to do that small job to the best of my ability. Um, you know, this seems trivial, but man, there was a doctor that was the owner of the practice and he loved the way that I changed his garbage. He loved the way that I put the garbage bag in. I was the only one that could do it. For most people that's beneath them, they wouldn't want to do that. But the fact that he trusted only me with his garbage made me feel like I was the most important person in that building. And I think that it gave me opportunity where they're like, if she's taking joy out of changing the garbage, what else could we give this girl to do? So I just, there is no small job. Everything is going to help you build your knowledge to get you to the next level. That That's the best advice I can give. 
I absolutely adore that. And, you know, reflecting back on it, I know that I started similarly. I started as a temp in the referral department. So I was barely needed, really, um, because they already had full-time staff. They just needed a little bit of help. And my my job was to just throw myself fully into it, learn as much as I could and consume as much as I could. Kem, did you start out similarly? Oh, my gosh. I started out as a medical receptionist. And I remember my first day at the cardiologist's office, they gave me um, back in the day, we had those, you know, pads uh, that were carbon copy. And they gave me that they gave me a pen, they gave me a phone, they were like, okay. Um, and, you know, a lot of healthcare workers, we we get on the job training. And I think that's where many of us, we look to these resources like AAPC and others um, to improve our skills, to get certified, to have a network of people that we can reach out to, to share ideas or to get information. Um, I'm very regularly on the chat rooms, um, looking and seeing what folks are saying about certain codes, about certain situations that they're dealing with in their practices. Um, so being able to, yes, put in that work, roll up your sleeves, get in there, not be afraid to, you know, to, to make mistakes, learn from them. Um, I, I think that's great advice. Thanks. Yeah. Well, this has been an absolute pleasure. Taya and I really hope to have you back on again um, sometime soon. Yes, um, please. Yes, <laughs> we would love that. Definitely, um, we can make that happen. Right. Well, with that being said, until we meet again, Rev Divers, keep diving into those Rev Cycles. Thank you again for taking time to listen to the MGMA Podcast Network. And this first episode we wanted to share with you on Rev Dive. If you have opportunities you'd like to share with the MGMA audience, go to mgma.com slash marketing with MGMA slash advertise and find out how you can get your message to MGMA members. Also, if you want to suggest experts for us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com. Stay safe and thanks for listening.